Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters, a podcast that strives to equip and encourage pastors. We're back after the summer break, kicking off season three of Pastor Matters. This is episode 76, Ronjor. Wow. Has it really been that that long now? It has. Wow. And we have a lot of exciting things planned, not only for this podcast, but for our center as a whole. We will be sharing more about some of these things in the weeks ahead. We also got some new swag Mm -hmm. in recently, and uh, we'll be doing some giveaways with said swag in the coming days as well. But to kick us off, for this season three premiere, Ron Joe, I couldn't think of anybody better to bring on than our friend, Dr. Jordan Willard. Jordan serves as the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Weddington. He is not a one, not a two, but a three-time graduate of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, most recently earning his D-Men in expository preaching. Jordan is one of our regular writers for our website, I mean, you've you've pretty much been with us since day one, brother, mm-hmm. and uh, since Ron Jor and I both came into the center. And uh, man, we just appreciate all of the work, the faithful work you do, both for us and and for your church. Thank you, brother. It's a joy to uh, to know you guys and to contribute in uh, some small way to uh, the center. And um, it's a joy to be with you guys today. Absolutely. Well, today we're going to have a conversation on pastoring transitions, ministry transitions, and you made a a transition recently. Mm-hmm. It's funny because you and I were talking the other day, and uh, I had totally forgotten that this transition happened during COVID, which I'm sure added some difficulty. I feel like COVID kind of like made us lose all of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But you made that transition uh, mm-hmm. during COVID. So so why don't we just start before we ask any any questions with you, just sharing a little bit about that transition from one side of the state of North Carolina to the other. Yeah, well, you know, it um, wasn't the first transition that we've we've made in pastoral ministry. I um, We were out in eastern North Carolina for almost 10 years, and I had made a transition um, about five years prior to uh, this, this previous one. But the big difference with this one is that it was right in the middle of the pandemic, and uh, that presented all kinds of unique challenges uh, uh, to the transition. Um, but God was faithful through it all. And um, so at the end of 2020 um, is when we really sensed that the Lord was calling us to uh, a new ministry as- uh, assignment. And uh, at the end of 2020, that's when I announced to uh, the church that I was pastoring in eastern North Carolina. And then uh, we were there for a couple of months after that to help lead them through just sort of start them in their transition, and then uh, February of 2021 is when we um, officially made the transition to First Baptist Church of Weddington in the Charlotte area. So no pastor comes in and says, you know, I'm going to be here for a year mm. and I'm going to move on. Pastors, they, they want to have kind of a long-term mentality of shepherding the people God has entrusted to them. That said, transitions still happen, mm-hmm. and there are instances where pastors need to pursue those other opportunities. So my, my first question is, is how did you know mm. that this is one of those times you need to leave, that you mm-hmm. need to transition into a new opportunity? And, and what are some tips you could share with pastors on knowing when it is time to move to mm. those other opportunities? Yeah, that's a great question. And <clears throat> you're right. I agree. Uh, no, no pastor that I know goes into a church and says, I'm going to be here for a year. And then, you know, it's it's time to get out of here. Um you know, I went to the, the church that, that we were at uh, in eastern North Carolina with the mentality that I always have that, Lord, I'm going to stay here until you tell me otherwise. Right. Uh, you called me here, and this is where I'm going to be uh, rooting my life, planted, and uh, that's what I'm going to do. And so that's the mentality that, that you have going in. Uh, but there are several factors that uh, contributed to us being open to uh, a, a different ministry assignment, uh, you know, I guess about four years into it. Um, 
and not saying that this these are black and white that um, that this is you know what has to happen for for every pastor but this is what uh, happened with with me we were in again you know eastern North Carolina for um, a total of, of almost 10 years and uh, um, we felt like and when I say we my wife and I uh, we felt like that I never really um, quite fit uh, in the um, uh, the two ministries that God had called me to there and, and uh, the two churches. Um, it was not um, my spiritual gifts and the way that God has equipped me. We just never really felt like um, this was the place where I could flourish in those gifts and uh, have the maximum uh, impact for the kingdom. However, as I said, you know, it's <laughs> uh, when God calls us to something, it's, you know, we don't, there's no negotiating with him. It's, right. He called us here, and we're going to keep our head down and hand to the plow, and we're going to keep moving forward. And so that was kind of always there. We always sort of knew that, that, you know, this is not really the uh, the, the area or uh, the, the church where we felt like I could flourish. But, um, you know, God is God, and we're not, and we're going to keep serving. But after doing that for, you know, almost 10 years, it got to a point where um, we— we could not keep these thoughts to ourselves, and we couldn't just keep tucking them away uh, in the bottom of our heart, in the back of our minds. And um, we wanted, we had a desire to be uh, in in an area that was more diverse. Um, and when I say diverse, I mean socioeconomically, ethnically, um, educationally, generationally. Uh, and uh, that's just where we felt like I would be able to serve the Lord to, to uh, my maximum potential. And so um, that played into it. Um, we finally, my wife and I finally sat down and said, look, we can't shake these desires anymore, and we just need to take them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so we entered into a season of, of praying and fasting, and, uh, um, you know, it was— um, for me, I had just in my mind, you know, if if the Lord would open a door for me in in a ministry elsewhere, what what would it be that that I re- just deeply desire and wanted Him to do? And I really struggled with with just bringing that out before Him because again, like I just want you know, not my will, but but God's be done. I don't want to um, try to do anything for selfish ambition. I don't want to try to do anything. Um, to make a name for myself or anything like that. Uh, so it took me a while to finally get to the point where I said, you know, I, I've got to take these desires before the Lord and whatever he wants to do with them, he, you know, he'll do with them. And so I remember that there was one particular night that um, I actually just went on a drive. It took me about 15 minutes. And I just had this time with the Lord where uh, I felt like in in my prayer time with him, it was almost like a um, a blind Bartimaeus situation where, you know, the Lord asks blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Even though Jesus knows exactly what Bartimaeus <laughs> needs him to do for, for him. Um, but he asked him that anyways. And I, I just came to a point where I said, Lord, it, you know, your word says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Lord, here here is what I want you to do for me. Um, these are, are the, the desires of my heart, and I want to give those to you. And uh, Lord, I know you owe me nothing. Uh, and if you tell, if, if you don't do this, um, it, it's perfectly fine. I'll stay wherever you want me to stay. And I gave those to him. And I'll, I'll just, I'll never forget the, the peace that I felt in that moment where I finally gave that over to him. I cast my anxieties upon him, knowing that he cares for me. And so I gave that over over to him. You know, but what motivated that was just this desire in our hearts to be in a place of ministry where I could be used. Um, according to the spiritual gifts that God has given me and to the maximum potential for the sake of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, again, you know, that that was not like I, I came to that conclusion six months into the pastorate, right? It yeah, was yeah, yeah. a long period of time where I'm, I'm suppressing that. I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I, these desires would come up and I would say, I, I can't, I can't deal with that. I've, I've got a people to shepherd. I've got disciples to make. I've got uh, sermons to preach. I've, I've got to focus on these people in front of me. But it got to the point where the desires were just undeniable and we needed to bring them before the Lord. And that really was 
that moment where I, I took those desires to the Lord, um, it really, from their own eyes, when he began this this transition in our lives. Mm. That's really helpful. Ron Jor, you've made a couple of ministry transitions as well. Mm-hmm. Are there any tips that you would you would maybe recommend pastors think through? Yeah, yeah. I, I think part of it is is just understanding your limitations. You know, um like you had said, Jordan, you know, God has gifted us in different ways. Uh you have different strengths and, and different uh talents and so on. And God puts you in a in a a position in a local church to use those gifts for the edification of the body. Um, I know when I was uh, when I was in um, Baltimore, one of the struggles that I had uh, was first off just the overwhelming sense of need that was there in the in the city, and I knew that you know I I didn't have like some of my other uh, pastoral friends in the in the city. I I wasn't the entrepreneur, you know. I wasn't the one that uh, that had you know the business savvy or things like that. And in my mind, that that was what that was a limitation because I really think that that was a great need there in Baltimore was for people that were able to build those types of relationships and were able to partner with uh, nonprofits and 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 so on and be able to do those types of things. Um, you know, I that that just wasn't me. Right. Um, and and the Lord never really brought people. Uh, in uh, that that could that could help you know uh, do that help make those connections and so on so that we could serve the community a little bit better. Uh, so in my mind, I'm going okay. I, I can't really be that guy, but but I know what I can do, and I know you know how I can serve and how I can uh, uh, help to encourage and help to equip the uh, the saints to do the work of the ministry. Uh, and so I, I used that, and I, I did that, you know, my, my teaching and, and preaching and shepherding and, and so on. But I, I definitely felt a sense, uh, you know, towards the, the latter part of my time there where I felt like I was bumping up against a wall, mm. you know, where, you know, just over and over again, I was just kind of reaching what was for me max capacity, where I was just, you know, and I would pray and just say, Lord, I want to do more, but I don't, I, I, it's like I can't get there. You know, it's like I can't do, you know, that more. Um, I don't have the skills to do it. I don't, I don't, I don't have, you know, the, uh, the equipment, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, gifting and so on. And it was just like, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on. And, and, and that's when I started to recognize that, you know, my time there was coming to an end, that I had gotten there, you know, I had kind of led the church as far as I could lead them. And they needed somebody new with different sets of skills, different yeah. sets of gifts and so on that could take them from, you know, from there, from where I had kind of left off, kind of take the, uh, the baton and, right. and, and, and go on uh, further. And that was humbling, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I wanted to be that guy, you know, but uh, the more I, I, I went in ministry, the more I realized that, you know, no, the Lord was saying, all right, you know, yeah. you've taken them this far. You've done good. You've done well. Now I'm going to take it from here. And, and you know, the next guy is going to lead from there. Yeah. One thing that I've learned is not to make those decisions in isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordan, you made a really good point about wrestling with it, with, with the Lord, going to the Lord in prayer, having those conversations with your wife and your family. Uh, but also one thing that I'm learning is finding just five solid brothers and sisters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that can just play referee. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yes. you know we, we use this language wrestling with this mm-hmm, decision. Mm-hmm. Let them lay out the wrestling mat. Let them mm. referee if you're committing fouls mm-hmm. in some areas mm-hmm. or if this decision's committing fouls in other areas. And since I've been doing that with uh, my own pursuit of potential ministry opportunities or, or whatever, I've learned that, man— I need this wise counsel in my yeah. life because there are things that I just don't see that I don't think about. There are things about myself that I don't actually know <laughs> that mm-hmm. other people do. And so, I mean, my encouragement and one thing that I've just gotten from both of y'all's responses is just the importance of not doing this in isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and, you know, for me, I mean, I've, I've always had um, several mentors. And so even if you're a pastor and you don't sense a transition right now, um, regardless of where you are in your ministry, you need that Paul-like figure in your life that's going to shepherd you and minister to you and mentor you. 
and in situations like this, right, I was able to reach out to those that um, you know, outside of my situation that have um, a more um, a neutral and objective perspective on things to speak into the situation um, and being willing to say hard things to me. Um, it, you know, when I would, would come to, you know, my mentors and say, well, I'm dealing with this difficulty right now. You know, they had the freedom to say, well, that doesn't mean that it's time to go. Exactly. You need this, people, you need, you don't need yes men to be in right, your circle. You need people that can look you Amen. in the eye and say, brother, this isn't you. Yes. Right. Or this isn't now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah. And so having those, those men in your life, uh, a pastor being able to look to an older um, more mature um, pastor to, to call his own pastor uh, to speak into those situations. That, for me, I was leaning on my mentors during that transition to say, tell me, is there something I don't see here? Mm-hmm. Is it, Am I correct in this assessment? Is this, what do you think about this? Yeah. And not only were they able to give counsel, but I knew that they were praying for me. They were fasting on my behalf and they were wrestling on my behalf. And uh, uh, that was that was necessary. It was vital to to the whole transition. That's yeah, yeah. That's, good. that's good. So you have this transition. God's calling you. Uh, at least you sense that God is calling you to another place. And 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 well, you know, it's made crystal clear because you you're going through the interview process and and so on. And and you may even go over to preach in view of a call and. And the church votes, and hey, you know, I'm going to be the next, you know, the next pastor. That whole, you know, process, you know, going through the interview all the way to that point, you're still pastoring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. as you're as you're feeling yourself getting more excited and and even preparing yourself for mm-hmm. that next ministry, the fact of the matter is, you are currently in a ministry. And you are still the pastor, mm-hmm. and you're still on call, mm-hmm. and you've still got sermons to preach, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and you still have people to care for and 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 to love. So, how do you make sure in the process that you don't check out, you know, and 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 just kind of, you know, I've I've got my whole brain on on you know the transition to come, mm-hmm. uh, and it's to the point that you stop thinking and caring and loving the mm-hmm. people that are right here in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And uh, it's it's difficult. I mean, we should go ahead and admit that that when you're in the middle of, you know, I I'm here pastoring this church now, but there is the possibility that I'm going to be pastoring another church. Uh, when you're in between, especially when you don't know um, whether this church is going, this prospective church is going to embrace you and affirm your call to become their pastor, uh, it's just difficult, um, a difficult situation to be in. But for me, I uh, just understanding my calling um, that God called me to this present church. Uh, and I am I am fully aware of that, and I have a responsibility to him. I have a responsibility to these people that I am going to shepherd them uh, until the moment that mm-hmm. God releases me from this. Um, and uh, you know, it's the temptation is there though to check out to say, well, I'm not going to be here for much longer, mm-hmm. so I can sort of uh, you know cut corners. Uh, I can uh, take some shortcuts. But the reality is, is that I'm still going to stand before Jesus mm. on the day of judgment and right. give an account for those uh, who were entrusted to me, who were in my charge. And um, just understanding, again, just what Scripture calls the pastor to do, um, I still must shepherd the flock of God that is among me, uh, not the she- uh, not uh, shepherd the flock of God that might be among me at mm. some point in the future. Um and it's it yeah it's a difficult thing yeah. um but understanding the calling and <clears throat> understanding that you have a responsibility to be faithful mm-hmm. uh to the stewardship that God has entrusted that's to you that's why I love the baton illustration mm-hmm. like you wouldn't just you don't see racers just drop the baton Ooh, like oh they're going to yes. come get it yes. and pick it up yes. you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah, like yeah. no there's a handoff there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you want to create an environment where that next guy can come in and flourish mm-hmm. because you love this people mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. and you love the brother that's going to come in here and and carry that baton and take it forward. 
you know, I like the illustration of a clean house too. Mm-hmm. Like you want to make sure that the house isn't cluttered mm-hmm. and that it's going to be extra That's work good. for him. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to what you're saying, Jordan, because you just genuinely love this people that the mm-hmm. Lord has entrusted mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. for this season that mm-hmm. you want this church to continue to thrive even if you're not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And what a testament of trusting the Lord in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about the dangers of checking out. Let's let's kind of shift a little bit to maybe some bad reasons mm. uh, why pastors make some transitions. Mm. So we know that there are bad reasons for members to leave their local church, and there are good reasons mm-hmm. for members to leave their local church. And the same can be said for pastors. Mm-hmm. There are definitely temptations that exist out there. So let's just take you know a couple couple minutes. Give me three, both of y'all. Give me three bad reasons for a pastor to leave their church for another opportunity that you've seen. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'll list a, a few here. So uh, because it's difficult, um, I think about Paul telling Timothy in First Timothy chapter 1, first thing he says to him right out of the gate, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. And he's going to go on to tell and to explain uh, for us, the readers, that, man, it is it is uh, difficult there in Ephesus. In fact, later uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he straight up says that times of difficulty are going to come. Right. Uh, this, this is going to happen. And he's not talking about what's going to happen out there in the world. He's talking about among those who profess godliness, those who are in the church. It's going to get really tough. And the first thing he tells him right out of the gate is, don't go anywhere. Just because it's difficult, uh, that doesn't give us a uh, license to uh, to jump ship. Um, that's one that comes to mind. The other one is uh, just because there's a uh, a bigger church that comes calling. Yeah. Mm. Um, because especially, you know, I, I just look at my my own um, situation. I've I've never pastored a church more than two hundred people, and. Uh, it, I could see how in my flesh it would be appealing if a church came calling that had, say, a thousand and the budget was triple the size of the one that I have now. Um, it, it would be tempting for me to just automatically think, oh, yeah, of course this is God's will. This is, you know, <laughs> I want to be used to my maximum potential for the kingdom, you know. Well, maybe, but maybe not. Um, so seeing that as instant verification that it's time to to transition I think would be a bad reason it you, you can't go through this without again wrestling with the yeah. Lord like we were talking about getting other men around you being on the same page with your your wife um those kinds of things yeah. it takes such a countercultural mindset too because mm. just think to yourself if you had a pastor mm-hmm. that was pastoring a large church and he transitioned to a smaller church mm. what's the first thought that comes into your head typically well, he must have done something wrong. Yes. Or yes. or maybe it was just too much for him. Yes, yes. It's so – and that's just not always the case, yes, right? that's right. And yes. so uh, we, we have to get rid of this mindset that bigger churches yeah. means we're moving on up or that we are successful. One – you know, I was having a conversation with a brother earlier this week, and we were talking about just this very topic. We're kind of walking through this, this podcast, and, you know, guys will say, well, it's a bigger platform – Okay, well, if God chooses someone else to have that platform, are you going to be okay with it? Mm, mm-hmm. Or is all of a sudden, do you feel hurt mm. by the fact that you're not the one? Mm-hmm. And really, that just kind of diagnoses your heart in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would just, I would say too, uh, uh, this really goes along with uh, the other two, is just if, if, if a potential ministry reassignment arises, that's just going to be more comfortable for you. Um, and you can fill in the blank, right? Whether that's going to be a bigger church, uh, larger salary, closer to family, um, those kinds of things. We just, again, we're, I'm not saying that the Lord can't call you to something like that, but it's this having this. The immediate response should be, "I I need to seek God right. over this. I need wise counsel. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to make a decision here just yeah. for my." Selfish ambition, my personal comfort, um, there has to be a wrestling with it. Ron, you actually, 
instructed me to think through certain questions when I'm considering these things. And I actually added a question to this more recently to your three that were fantastic. And we've talked about them on this podcast. It's yeah. like, is it is it me? Is it now? Mm. Uh, and what was the third one? Is it there? Is it there? Yeah. yeah. Mm. One that I've added is why is it here and not somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Which is something I think uh, like all always should be in our list of questions mm. that we're asking. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. God may be leading you here, mm-hmm. but it at least gets you to think through why isn't it this rural church down the road that hasn't had a pastor mm. yeah. that just wants somebody to come faithfully shepherd them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, and, and maybe I'll add in terms of, you know, bad reasons, uh, um, you know, people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, people are, aren't always, you know, kind to you. They're not always mm-hmm. going to have your best interest in, in in mind. They may have zero experience on caring for a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or at least caring well mm-hmm. <laughs> for a pastor, uh, and they have a bad understanding of the church, a, a, a bad understanding of, of what it means to be shepherded, a, a bad understanding of discipleship. They have a bad understanding of all kinds of different things, and you go in and you realize that 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 you know this is <laughs> this is going to be tough. Mm. Uh, people just don't understand what church is. They mm. don't understand what what the gospel is, and so on. And it's easy for you to say, "No, I'm not going to be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go over and find a place where it's going <laughs> to be a little bit better. You know, get, let's get a few more seminary trained folks in here. Mm-hmm. You know, where I don't have to I don't have to translate everything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. for uh, for them, and, and I don't have to go through the the um, the time, take the time and the patience uh, that it takes to uh, to develop. Uh, uh, disciples, uh, and and you could definitely say, well, I'm going to go over here where it's a little bit easier. I've got a few more resources here. I've got a few more people uh, that that understand what what we're what we're talking about, and so on. I don't know if that's always the best the best reason. Now, that could be a good reason, mm-hmm. you know, for you to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if the people are are just you know bludgeoning you to death mm-hmm. i mean that could be a you know, that yeah, could yeah. be a good oh, yeah. reason for you to yeah. go mm-hmm. uh but it could be a reason for you to stay mm-hmm. uh, and it could be a reason for you to say well you know this is hard ground you know and it needs tilled mm-hmm. uh you know it, it it needs turned over it it needs it needs you know someone to be here to put in the work get those fingernails a little dirty mm-hmm. and 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 let's you know let's see if we if we can't uh, help cultivate the ground, you know, to a place where where you know the seeds can can take root. Mm. Uh, you know, you may be that person mm. uh, to 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 do that. Uh, you may not be that person, mm. and so that's where again, as we talked about before, wisdom and mm. counsel mm-hmm. are, are so are so important. Uh, you know, and listen well, and 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 take it well. Uh, to, and and pray well mm. uh, to see if God wants you to be that person. But yeah, just because people are difficult doesn't mean that that mm. you know that it's time for you to you know, hightail out of there. Mm-hmm. It could be that mm-hmm. uh, that this is the very challenge that God is calling you to, mm-hmm. uh, so that you can learn how to love and learn how to be patient as Christ is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what does it look like for a pastor to finish well? Where he's leading. So we said, you know, don't don't check out. You mm-hmm. got to be there. Mm-hmm. You got to keep loving. Mm-hmm. You got to keep serving, and so on. Well, what what does that look like? Like, what what do you yeah. need to have in place before you leave? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to look a little bit different, and and based on the, the church and the situation that you're in. But one of the things that that the Lord allowed me to do, and I'm so grateful for it, when we made this transition, and again. Some of this is because we were right in the middle of the pandemic, and so it was. Um, I had an even more heightened responsibility to take care of the people that uh, the Lord was calling me away from. But I proposed a plan to the church that we were transitioning from that I wanted to stay there. We announced at the very end of 2020, but I wanted to stay until February. Um, so that they could allow me to uh, prepare them for the transition. And the church that the Lord was calling us to, I explained that to them, that that's what I wanted to do, and they were perfectly fine with that. They were on board with that. And so what I did, and I, I you know, proposed the plan to the church that I, I want to make sure that uh, you are set up for success, uh, that when I leave, 
Um, you have a transitional pastor here that I want to, to recommend to you um, and uh, uh, prepare people that um, would be taking over um, ministries that I had um, sort of been leading uh, the charge on. And so for those two months, that's what we did. And and I... So you were very transparent. Very transparent at the, at the uh, point when we, uh, when we announced the transition. Yeah. And so when, when we announced the transition, this was the plan that we proposed um, or that, that I proposed to the church. And thankfully, the church re- received it well. And, and to be honest, um, they told me the church that I was at, they uh, had been in existence for se- a little over 70 years. They said, um, this has never happened. Um, the, the pastors that we've had in the past, it's just they announced the resignation, and then within two weeks they're gone, and it, we're just sort of yeah. left with what do we do. Um, and so I said, well, I one, I don't want to do that um, because I love you as your shepherd, but two, we're right in the middle of the pandemic, and, and it would have been – extremely difficult. I mean, we were back, you know, meeting uh, in, in person at, uh, by that time, but it would have been just extremely difficult for them, for, for me to just leave them hanging. And so for two months, um, you know, I met with key leaders in the church and uh, was it was the process of handing that baton uh, off to them. And then there were a few transitional pastors that I thought w- would be um, very good for the church. And uh, we narrowed it down. I walked with the key leaders of the church, you know, who those men were, and we narrowed it down to one. And I facilitated those discussions, sat down with them, uh, had a you know, Q&A with, with the congregation, with this man. Uh, and it really was a very smooth handing of the baton off to him so that he could then shepherd the church through the interim and then uh, they could find God's uh, next man to, uh, to shepherd them. And so the, and the other thing is, too, just um, I, I was grateful for those two months to be able to— uh, to say goodbye, uh, in in a good way. Mm-hmm. We it was not like, hey, the Lord's called us to to this other uh, ministry, and two weeks we're out of here, right? It was yeah. no, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go and visit with people. Yeah. I'm gonna sit down with them and tell them what a joy it's been to shepherd them, even the difficult people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to sit down with them and say, I'm so glad that the Lord called me here. I'm so glad. Uh, what he taught me through this this time here, and I just want you to know that that I I love you as mm-hmm. your pastor, and I made it clear to all of them that you know I'm 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 still your friend, I'm still your brother in Christ. And it's been a beautiful thing because we've carried on relationships with people from that church. Um, I've gone back and done funerals uh, for. Uh, saints who have gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, I regularly um, um, talk with with the people there, and it was just a really it was a, it was a smooth smooth transition. Um, and again, I, I I would recommend that if at all possible, um, if you're going to go through the transition. And again, you know the, the church would have to be open to receiving this, mm-hmm. but if you could have a couple of months to say, hey, we're not in a hurry here. Um, let's let's uh, let let's go through this um, in a slower way and and to hand off the baton. Yeah, and it gives it gives you an opportunity too to kind of address those various uh, responses to you leaving. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the other thing. It it doesn't leave questions unanswered. Um, and the other thing too is, um, you know, I used those last two months uh, to preach sermons that would really help them moving mm. forward. Um, certainly the danger, the danger would be, you know, well, I'm not going to be here, so I'm going to bring up all the things that they really need to hear. I need to drive <laughs> home to them, you know, because I'm not going to be here anyways. Uh, but I, you know, I, I preach sermons on just, uh, what is the church? Um, what is a pastor? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the mission? What are we to be about? Who are we to be? Uh, and just, it's not anything that I hadn't preached to them already. It was just a reminder to them, uh, this is who God is. This is who you are. This is who he's called us to be. This is who, where he's calling us uh, to go. And so it was just, I certainly recommend that, if at all possible. I know that's not going to be possible in every situation, but uh, it's, it was just a, a wonderful way for me to, to shepherd well through that transition. So we talked about the first half of the transition. Let's talk about the second half of the transition. What were the first few months at FBC Weddington like? What advice would you give to pastors on starting 
well and the new opportunity? Yeah, well, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced because, uh, once again, this was right in the middle of the pandemic. And <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, uh, I'm great, you know, grateful for Southeastern, three-time graduate. I don't remember having a class on, <laughs> on what to do uh, if you transition in the middle of uh, a global pandemic. See, that was uh, one of those summer electives. Oh, that, that I missed out yeah, on. Okay, I see. Okay, one. okay. <laughs> yeah. I need to come back and do some continuing education and, uh, and get that one. But uh, Or maybe I'll be able to teach on it uh, after this. But you know, it's it's been, whew, you know, uh, two, three years ago, I, I would have had a different answer. But because of, you know, it being right in the middle of the pandemic, this this is a little different. But so the church that the Lord called us to, interestingly enough, was it, it was smaller than the church that we left um, and 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 significantly smaller. Uh, and that was one of the, you know. Uh, ways that we knew, like, well, this is not for selfish ambition here. This is not, you know, me going to a bigger and better uh, uh, opportunity. Uh, the church that, that we uh, were called to was in in desperate need of revitalization. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I've ever known as a, as a pastor uh, is revitalization, certainly not what I signed up for when God called me to ministry, but quite frankly, he didn't ask me uh, what, I, <laughs> what I wanted. That's what he called me to. And uh, I'm, I am drawn to those situations. I, the Lord has just called me to be sort of a rebuilder, uh, and I'm drawn to that. And so, so the church was in need of revitalization even before COVID hit. And then when COVID hit, it just, uh, I mean, it amplified the, the need. It compounded everything. So walking into um, FBC Weddington, uh, I was at an incredible advantage because one, the church was already in need of a reset. COVID it really accelerated that. And so when I came in, it was, uh, I, it was as close to a clean slate as I, I could possibly get to. In fact, the uh, uh, leader of the pastor search team told me when it became clear that the, that the Lord was calling me uh, to their church that this is actually going to feel more like a church plant than it is uh, revitalization mm-hmm. because you're starting with such a, a clean slate. But you know, the, the thing that you're always going to want to do going into a new church is, m- man, establish relationships, get to know the people, uh, cultivate times where you can have them in your house, you be in their house, where you can get to know them and establish trust, establish uh, the fact that you love them, that you're for them, that you have their best interests uh, at heart. Um, And so that's what, you know, I've, I've been there a year and a half and, you know, we Again, it was challenging because it's right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, many of the people's faces uh, I didn't even see until after <laughs> six months of being there because they were all wearing masks, you know. Um, but but still, you could you could still you know cultivate relationships and, right. and, and that kind of thing. Um, and you know, I mean, there's a there's a there's a certain energy to uh, a sort of a fresh start, uh, a new chapter, uh, and. Uh, you know, I we should see that as an advantage. Uh, the, um, the people at our church were hungry for for leadership, and we're coming. You know, sort of on the tail end of the pandemic, coming out of it, it was sort of this new chapter of like, man, the Lord's doing a new thing. Uh, yes, I mean, we, we're in need of revitalization, but uh, man, we're serving the God who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think. And uh, and so I think we should see that sort of freshness of a new season as an advantage for us. And that's what I did. Um, you know, I when I got there, um, again, it's very interesting. I, I began my ministry at FBC Weddington in many ways that I ended my ministry in eastern North Carolina, uh, just preaching a sermon series on the church. And um, you know, this is this is who God is. This is how he has saved the people. And we are called the church. This is who we are. This is what we're, uh, what we're called to be about. So establishing relationships, uh, um, just helping the people see their identity as, as the people of God uh, and uh, uh, and and, and pre- preaching to to that end. The other thing is, for you know, it's gonna the, the duration of, of time is gonna be different in every church, but um, you've got a lot to learn when you get to a new church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of cultivating those relationships is, I am, I am um, having a a demeanor, uh, a posture of listening and learning. I'm wanting to learn from people. I want to listen to people. 
uh, especially people that have been in the church for for many years, man, tell me what it's been like. Tell me what it was like when you first got here. Tell me the ups. Tell me the downs. Tell me the joys, the the challenges. I just want to learn about where we are before I can um, cast some sort of vision of where we we need to be going. Um, assessing the present reality of of a church is incredibly important. Um, I, I often say that the stuff of nightmares to me is to uh, to lead my church to where I think it needs to be, only to get there and turn around and find out that nobody came with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got to meet them where they are, mm-hmm. learn where they've been before I can ever uh, lead them to where they they need to go. And and those first, you know, you know, whatever six, eight, twelve months, uh, eighteen months, whatever it is, uh, th- that's a crucial time for you to. Uh, to learn those things, and it, it really happens through those relationships that you cultivate with others. And that's good, too, because, I mean, you think about uh, the tendency in in transitions like this. You know, the church is looking at the pastor, and they're going, man, he's doing such a great job over there. How about <laughs> yes, he just, right. you know, copy and paste what's going yes, on over here? Right. Yeah. You know, bring it over here. We want all of that without really understanding the just exactly what you're talking about, yes. you know, that that you're talking about a unique place, a mm. unique time, a unique people, yes. you know, yes. and all of these things yes. that factor into why this worked here, mm-hmm. you know, in this particular context, in this particular, you know, time of life and mm-hmm. season and so on. Mm-hmm. It, you can't just uproot that and mm-hmm. bring it over here. And and much in the same way for, uh, for that church, yes. you know, and, and as you look over there and, you know, they may be saying, you know, the search team. Well, we just want to, you know, get back to the glory days. You yes, know, we just want right. to get back to those days. Oh, yes. Well, that again, unique people, unique place, unique time, yeah. unique setting, and all that. There's no copy and paste yeah, here. Right. It, it's what does God want to do with us right now yes. in this place, yeah. in this community, and so on. Which is why I love your response of getting to know the people, yeah, getting absolutely. to know the challenges, getting yes. to know the landscape. Yes. Because then you, as the pastor, yes. are able to evaluate yes. okay, what are the needs? Mm. What are some things that Mike can come over here sure. that we did successfully sure. there? And what are some sure. things we're going to have to totally build from scratch? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. So this is a question that is really, really important. I wanted to make sure we included it. How can pastors steward their families well during these types of transitions? You know, we're talking about our families being part of these massive changes as well. Wives leave behind dear friends that they've cultivated relationships with for years. Children have to change schools. They have to get into some new rhythms that they're, they're probably not used to. So how can pastors and maybe even churches listening to this, how can they steward these families well during these massive moves? That is a wonderful question. Um, wow. So, you know, for, for us, um, I think listening to your, your family uh, listening to your wife, listening to your children, mm-hmm. it's, during that time when you're sensing that the Lord may be calling you elsewhere, I know for us, um, being in Eastern North Carolina was it was it was very difficult for my wife, and uh, um, for whatever reason, she was not able to uh, um, cultivate friendships with women in the in in the churches that we were in. Uh, it was just a very difficult time for her. But once again, she's you know has the mentality that I have: man, keep your your head down, hand to the plow, <laughs> just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. But you know those those challenges can have can take a spiritual, emotional, mental toll on you if they go uh, unattended to. And uh, she began to share with me, and again, you know the, the the pandemic really accelerated a lot of this. A lot of this came to the, to up to the surface that she was struggling. It was it was difficult for her to be in the ministry context that we were were in. Uh, and then listening to her concerning our, our children, because our children as well, it was really difficult for them. The, the church that we were in um, prior to, to where we are now, um, the membership was mostly uh, elderly people. And so there weren't a, a lot of young families with young children in the church. And and that it was, it was a difficulty, it was a challenge for, for our children. And so listening to my wife on that, to say that, you know, this is not just about me, it's about loving my wife well. It's about loving my children well. Yes, I want to be used to you know the maximum potential of the kingdom, uh, but if I'm not uh, helping my family uh, reach their maximum potential uh, in their calling that God mm-hmm. has on their lives, 
then am I really being effective for the kingdom in the first mm-hmm. place? And so listening to listening to them uh, is 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 key. The other thing is is we knew when the Lord was opening this door, it was it was you know bittersweet leaving people that we've loved for that that many years. Um, but my wife, you know, she was there was a, an excitement about it um, because the church we were going to there were other there were younger families there were younger women that kind of thing. But we knew it was it was going to be incredibly difficult for our children, mm. and so we we kept it from them for as long as we could because we didn't want them to to be worrying about this. In fact, right. we did not share this with them until. Uh, a couple of days before I went to preach in view of a call, and we obviously we didn't want to bring this up to them um, in in case it, it it didn't come to fruition, right? If uh, this this was a possibility, but then the right. you, you didn't know, want the, them to worry the, for nothing, yeah, worry right. for nothing, yeah. Right. So so we we got to the point where we felt like this, yeah, this is going to happen, like this is where the Lord is calling us, and so we sat them down and we explained to them. Uh, and, uh, you know, we explained, um, the, how we must go where Jesus calls us to go. Um, we, as a family, he has given us the great commission and he has told us to go. Uh, and, and we must, we must obey him. Um, and we walk them through, you know, on the front end, what this is going to look like, what saying goodbye is going to look like, what saying see you later is going to look like. And then, um, articulated for them the best we could about the ministry context that it seemed that Jesus was calling us to. Um, but it was done with great care, uh, much prayer um, uh, before we sat down and, and spoke with them. Um, but it's, yeah, this is not, if, if you're married and if you have children, this transition is not about you, Pastor, uh, prim- or, or, or only, merely. Uh, it's about your family. It's about mm-hmm. your wife having to uproot her herself. It's about your children having to uproot themselves. So it's not something that we just, you know, flippantly stroll into and say, uh, yeah, we'll do this. It's a lot of, of, of time and energy that needs to be uh, exerted and spent on um, – just counting the cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to look like for my family. Yeah. I mean, we're in kind of that, that transition period right now, you know, looking for, for potential opportunities. And one thing that my wife and I have stressed is we don't want Samuel, our son, to constantly have to look over his shoulder on when that change is going to happen. We want yes. him to be a kid and we want him to make relationships mm-hmm. with friends mm-hmm. at school and yes. just enjoy it. Like, yes. We don't want that pressure to be lingering. Mm-hmm. You know, every mm-hmm. single day mm-hmm. as he as he goes to school and does things like mm-hmm. that. So that's mm-hmm. it's definitely helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but there is this this reality that uh, you know the transition isn't just for you. Yes, uh, everybody is transitioning in this. You know, uh, and and you just think about that. You are going through uh, changes. Your your bride is going through changes. Your kids are going through changes. The church you're leaving is going through changes. The church you're going to is is going through changes. Um, you know, whoever is coming in, you know, behind you, uh, in terms of the next, you know, your successor, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. At, at, at the, at the previous church, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, he's, you know, mm-hmm. they're going through mm-hmm. all of the, there is a lot of stuff that's mm-hmm, going on mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of potential for, for anxiety. There's mm-hmm, a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, potential for stress and, 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 and everything. And so mm-hmm. you have to navigate that, especially in your home, mm-hmm. you know, as you're thinking mm-hmm, through that, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and yeah, we've had those conversations with our kids, um, not just about what life was like, uh, you know, prior to here Southeastern, you know, what life was like in Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and they have had the opportunity to open up about that. But even even here, mm-hmm. uh, one thing in particular we've talked about is that when we were in, in Baltimore, uh, you know, there were just demographically more minorities mm-hmm. In Baltimore than there are in Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, now they didn't take a brain surgeon to figure out. Um, you know, they're 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 you know uh, uh, you know Baltimore's uh, just more diverse, and of sure. course it's a larger city uh, than the town of Wake Forest. Uh, but that had some you know had some dynamics you know in there that mm-hmm. that we. You know, we were old enough to go. Okay, you know, we we can we can navigate that. It'll be fine and all that. But for them, mm-hmm. you know, being as young as they were, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of our our children even just kind of confided in us and just said, you know, I just wish I had more 
more you know friends that were like me mm-hmm. you know uh mm-hmm. you know same same uh, ethnicity as me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and 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 so on and so you have to help them process that sure. you know does that mean that god didn't call us here no god called us here sure. uh but those are things that you've got to work through and mm-hmm. you've got to process mm-hmm. and 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 think through as to help them understand mm-hmm. uh and and grow in that too mm-hmm. so we've had a wonderful conversation and uh i wish that we had more time to just you know talk all day we need like um, a ten part series. We really do. Yes. We really do because I mean, this is a major conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as 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 it's very much a part of the the life of the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, but but just to wrap it up, uh, you've got some guys that are going through this. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're maybe wondering is is it time for me to go? They may be wondering, you know, like you said, Brandon. You know, uh, uh, should I stay? You know, why why not? You know, mm-hmm. wh- where should I go? You know, why not over there? You know, why why here? Why not there? You know. And so on. Uh, some are are already in the transition process. Uh, some have already made that transition. Mm-hmm. How do you encourage? How can you encourage them? Uh, just any any final words uh, to our brothers uh, as they're contemplating or even experiencing transition? <clears throat> yeah, I, I would echo everything I've I've already said. Um, but something my my first pastor told me through our previous transition. Um, who I still consider, he's my mentor, um, still still consider my pastor today. He told me, he said, uh, never forget that all of life as a follower of Jesus and as, as a pastor is a journey. Mm. Never forget that it is an adventure. Uh, and uh, you, must, you must go where, where our Lord calls you to go. Um, and that's scary, <laughs> but it's also awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just encourage you brothers that are, you may be about to enter into that season of transition, you may be right in the middle of it. It is an adventure. It is a journey that the Lord has, has called us to, and he is faithful. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he is. will lead, feed, guide, and guard through this time of transition. He can be trusted. And that's what, echoing everything else that we've said, I would put this uh, on top of it all. Um, he's a good and faithful God, and you you can trust him. Mm-hmm. You just preached a sermon over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that'll do it for today's conversation, Jordan. Thank you again, brother, for your willingness to join our conversation and share your story. Mm-hmm. Ronjor and I are, are so grateful mm-hmm. for the work that you have done mm-hmm. and, and the work you continue to do for our center. Mm-hmm. And we want to thank you, listener, for hitting that play button today. If you found today's episode helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd appreciate any feedback you'd be willing to give us. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors And I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And finally, brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.